Good morning. Welcome. Man, I love Christmas. You know, Christmas is a season that teaches us how to wait. Amen? Amen. Kids are ready, I'm sure, for, for Monday, okay? And I know your parents have been preparing all year long. Since, since December 26th of last year, they have been eagerly waiting to today. I remember, you know, waiting is not something we do a lot today, right? We, we have found ways around it. I remember whenever I was a kid, <clears throat> um, there was, there was a, something that happened. It, it was exciting for me because I found in 1980, as a 10-year-old, that I could send off box tops from cereal and get a Star Wars action figure. All I needed was seven, okay, seven box tops from cereals that I, that I ate all the time, send it off, and I could get an action figure. In my little mind, the economy, you know, money was determined on how many Star Wars action figures I could buy. $25, oh, it's at least, you know, 10 action figures. That was the way that I worked, and so I figured I could get one for free. I was very excited about that, so I did it. I, about six weeks, I went through cereal, and I so carefully self-addressed that stamp envelope and I sent it off and I waited and I waited and you know you don't realize as a kid there's fine print 12 to 16 weeks delivery time and I remembered that there were moments when I I would (laughs) literally look at myself in the mirror keep going Scott it's almost here man (laughs) just keep holding on (laughs) finally showed up I, it was a lizard of some sort. I don't really remember him in Empire Strikes Back, but I had it. None of my friends had this, and it was an exciting, exciting moment. Have you ever been in that place where you've kind of forgotten what you were waiting for and just trying to pump yourself up? Uh, meanwhile, flash forward to 2023, I ordered something in, I think it was September, and I thought, oh, this would be great for stockings. And it showed up, uh, I think, Friday, and I said, did I order these? And it's funny because I think we're all in that little place of waiting. And some of us have been waiting so long, we've kind of forgotten what, we've been, what we were waiting for to begin with. Today, we're going to read a little bit of scripture in Luke 1, if you want to turn there to Luke 1. And we're going to talk a little bit about this. We've been talking about this throughout the year, I mean, th- throughout this month. But, but I want to talk a little bit about what it looks like in the middle of the waiting when you're I don't know maybe you've been waiting for so long you've forgotten what you were waiting for to begin with but my hope is at the very end of today whether you're in here in person or whether you're watching online my hope is that at the very end of this lesson today that you will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are the beloved of God my hope is no matter how unforgivable you think you are no matter how dire your circumstances may seem, I hope you know you are the beloved of God. No matter how long you've been waiting for God to show up, if you forgot you were waiting at all, I hope to remind you that you are the beloved of God. And I would say even more importantly, you are favored with grace. And I think that there's more to be found in the midst of the waiting. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would be with our souls, our spirits, our attentions today as we, as we listen, as we engage with the word that you have so readily made available to us. Lord, what a gift you've given us in your word. What a gift you've given us in the stories that are found in there, Lord, of people that are just like us. People who are flawed, people who are frustrated, people who are stubborn. I pray this morning that you would help us as we engage with a story we're all familiar with, but help us to see it maybe from a little different perspective today. And I pray that we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt, Lord, that you love us and that we are favored with your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we've, what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks is what it means to wait as God fulfills his promise to us. Now, the salvation that Jesus has already given through his death, burial, and resurrection, the salvation that we have is an, a priceless gift. Um, it's a gift that is both now and it's also not yet. It's, it's, it's happening now, but there's also more to come. There's tension here in the, the midst of that. When you give your life to Jesus, there's a little bit of tension there because the Spirit, it allows us to live as free people. It allows us to live as eternal people, people who, who have a future and a hope. Uh, sin has no power over us anymore. Now, sure, we're going to be tempted, yes. I mean, sure, still, we're going to struggle to choose well, and sometimes we're going to choose poorly. But what's so great is that with the Spirit of God in us, we can say no. We can resist temptation. And our mistakes no longer condemn us because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, amen? But we still struggle. You know, we know that our lives and this world around us are in process. Things aren't exactly right, but one day they will be. One day God's going to make all things right. But in the meantime... We wait, and there's tension that lies in the midst of that waiting between the now and the not yet, and it's tension we feel every single day. So today we're in Luke chapter 1, and we're going to read uh, about a moment whenever God chose to send his son to the people who had been praying and waiting for him. Uh, it's at the very beginning of Luke, so the author gives us a glimpse into what the world of the people who waited looked like with just a little sentence. And this is how he starts it. Uh, he begins Luke this way in verse 5. He says, In the time of King Herod, king of Judah. Right here. You may, um, let me, um, there it is, right there. In the time of Herod, king of Judea. Right? Um, this may not stand out to you in any other way other than background information. Now, for, for us, it may just be simply a phrase we just kind of pass over. But for those first readers, they remembered Herod. Those first listeners, they remembered the stories around Herod. The short story is that the family of Herod, they were very wealthy. Herod was one of the most wealthy people in history. In history. Uh, but they were not the rightful heirs to the throne of Israel. In fact, they weren't even, they weren't even Jewish. They were Jewish converts years 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 earlier but purely for political reasons and Herod was a brilliant architect brilliant thinker advanced Israel in so many significant ways but 
he also created difficulty and oppression for the people in Israel. So in the time of King Herod, could maybe be saying the time of consistent oppression and even radical progress for the people of Israel. Yeah, sure, it's great, but at what cost? So in the time of King Herod, just remember there's oppression here. In the time of King Herod, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Now, every time the scriptures mention somebody's father or uh, their genealogy, just remember that's significant. It carries weight. There's probably a backstory there that goes without being said to those first listeners that we've got to do some research to figure this out. Um, Abijah was a priest during the, king, the days of King David, and their, their order was primarily to serve and worship at the temple. So his order of priests was one of those first eight plus divisions of, of priests that's, that their, that's their job, serving in the temple. Uh, they weren't descendants of Aaron specifically, so they weren't high priests, but their jobs were very crucial. And Zechariah was descended from this long line of priests. But his wife, however, she was a descendant of Aaron. So that has some weight to it. You know, it's like finding out someone was related to George Washington. Or someone who was related to someone really famous that lived long ago. That carries some weight. Oh, you're a descendant of Aaron. Wow. So the people here, Zechariah and Elizabeth, could be considered true Israelites. They may not have had much money. They may not have had much of anything. But they did have a good reputation. They had a good name. And the text also says something here. It says they were righteous. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God. You don't see that signifier a whole lot in Scripture about people. But as we know, we can't have it all. You know, these two were barren. And in a world where family is most important, these two kept their faith in the midst of being barren. They kept their faith even though they seemed to have been ignored by God. So it continues. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by Lot. And that's just a game of chance, I guess. You just, you know Lot. It's just, it's just a chance uh, selection here. Chosen by Lot um, to, um, hang on, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you are to call him John. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. And the angel said to him, I'm Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. I don't know if that's how he said it, but that's kind of how I hear it. Uh, hello, I'm Adam Gabriel. Do you see I'm an angel here? <laughs> I mean, in that moment, what do, you, 
What else do you ask, right? How? Have you met my wife? I mean, who knows how long Zechariah had been praying here? And if your prayer has not been answered, it's normal to think that God's just not paying attention. It's normal to think maybe the answer is a silent no. And when you're praying for a child, you have to realize that at some point in the aging process, the answer is probably going to be no. Or at least improbable. So maybe he stopped praying. Maybe his wife Elizabeth had stopped praying. But wouldn't that be a great little tidbit of knowledge? What if Elizabeth didn't stop praying? Or maybe Zechariah had been praying for so long that he kind of forgot what he was praying for in the first place. Kind of got swept up in his everyday life. In your prayer life, what if you were to pray with the expectation that God was going to answer your prayer? What if you prayed with the firm belief that from that moment on, he heard you and was going to answer it? How would that shape our in the meantime? I mean, how would that shape us as we waited? Okay, so Zechariah asked his angel, how can I be sure of this? This is funny to me. It's, it's kind of a gentle rebuke, I think. Um, it is a legitimate question, though. How can I be sure? I know that in the news there's been people who've been, you know, pregnant at age 60. I've seen that. It's a rare occurrence. But at some point, you know, you have to think age is a factor in childbearing. Um, you know, I guess these people had to have been at least 50, right? Because that's old. <clears throat> at least that's what my son tells me. 50's old. Um, but I'm realizing 50 is not as old as I used to think it was. Thank you. In fact, when you start looking at some of the actors who played old characters, you see how young they really were, okay? So you'll see it. Sanford's son's 48 years old. Archie Bunker was only 48 years old. Doc Brown in Back to the Future, 46 years old, okay? And Flo, 39. Alice from uh, 43 years old. Edith Bunker, 44 years old. And these are supposed to be old people, right? That's a little scary to me. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to tell you, if you're praying for a miracle, it doesn't matter how old you are, okay? You could be Mr. Roper years old. You can be Alice, that sweet old uh, lady from Brady Bunch years old. You can be Doc Brown years old. It doesn't matter. When you pray for God to intervene, expect a miracle. And here's the little caveat to that. Expect a miracle and be ready to wait. All right? I mean, it may not happen like we think it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. What I think is so interesting here is that as these people waited, it's just like us. I mean, we too are still waiting here. We wait here um, in the presence of God even. In fact, we come here every Sunday just like Zechariah was in the temple. 
You know, Zechariah was not so randomly chosen. He was not so um, randomly selected to be in this particular room. But he was there. In this situation, Zechariah is just like Israel. You know, they'd been waiting for a miracle for a very long time. They continued to wait. They went through the motions, just doing what they're supposed to do. Zechariah's here burning incense at the altar. You know what the altar, or you know what this incense is supposed to be? It's supposed to represent the prayers going up before God, the prayers of, of, of Israel going up before God as a sweet-smelling fragrance to him. Zechariah was not so randomly chosen, and he finds himself literally feet away from the very presence of God because this altar is right in front of the big curtain that separates the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple. He's literally feet away from the presence of God and God showed up. And he was surprised. Are we the same way? We're here literally every Sunday. He's the reason we gather and even though we pray for God to come, even though we pray for God to show up, even though we pray for God to come and move and to be with us and to, to, to rest with us here every Sunday, if he were to show up, would we be surprised? If he were to show up in a very visible and moving way, would we, would we be surprised? I think yes. <laughs> I think we probably would. Because just as Zechariah was still waiting, so we are still waiting also for the not yet. In many ways, we are very much just like Zechariah here. They've been waiting and praying for a Savior to come for so long. God, he absolutely adores those people who earnestly pray, by the way. Those who wait, even though things don't go their way. You know, to keep your faith when you don't feel like it, that takes a lot of courage. That takes a lot of strength. To keep praying in the midst of all that takes patience. And God sees such things. And the angel, he tells Zechariah his prayer had been heard. God didn't forget. He didn't miss the message. In fact, he'd been planning a miracle from the moment he heard it. Probably even before it. So I'm going to tell you, do not give up on, on your prayers. Do not give up on the fact that God could perform a miracle in your life because he has heard you. So here you go. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. Sent them to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Even Joseph's lineage has status and importance here, okay? Descendant of David. Um, but Mary, her introduction is a little bit more uneventful. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Now you need to remember this, in a society that valued men and maturity, in a society that valued status and power, God chose a young girl who had nothing. And not only did he choose her, he favored her with grace the literal term here for you who are highly favored the literal term is favored with grace Mary was favored with a grace that was freely given it was not earned 
I mean, what could you have that could possibly be valuable enough to pay for such favor? Nothing. Oh, in fact, Mary was greatly troubled at his words. And he wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Now, what's funny is Mary asks roughly the same thing that Zechariah asks. Now, Zechariah was responded to a little differently. You know, they said, well, since you asked, Zechariah, you won't be able to speak for six months. Okay. Probably because Zechariah's job is to expect the miraculous. You may have forgotten that. We don't know where the angel appeared to Mary, but we do know that the angel appeared to Zechariah in the place most likely for an angel to appear. And he was still shocked. I mean, you've got to give Mary the benefit of the doubt here because she was probably the last person to ever expect to be favored with grace from God. But those who seem to have nothing to offer continue to capture God's attention. So the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. The reason that miracles are possible is because nothing is impossible with God. Amen? Let me just say that again. The reason miracles are possible, even still, is because nothing is impossible with God. In that moment, Mary, all she had to offer was her belief. That's it. All she had to offer was her humility and her willingness to let God lead her into the miraculous. Of course, to see a miracle requires a little bit of waiting. Because in the middle of the waiting, that is where God strengthens you. That is where God refines your faith. That's where God refines your gift. In the waiting and in the anticipation, that's when he shows you just how favored you really are. The evil one wants you to think differently. Now the word literally means favored with grace. And this is used one other time in the New Testament, this particular word, phrase. When Paul says to the Ephesians in chapter 1, he says this, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace that he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He's so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. What did we do to deserve that? 
no matter who you are, you need to know you have also been highly favored. Since the beginning of the world, you didn't earn it. You didn't get the formula right. What could you possibly offer the God of the universe in exchange for such a priceless gift? You don't have to have a name. You don't have to have status. You don't have to have heritage. You don't have to be perfect. You don't even have to be faultless. You have already found favor with God. So keep your faith. Believe. Know that you are the beloved of God. You have been chosen for joy, love, peace, and hope. You have been chosen for these things since before the world was created. And I don't know where you are in the midst of your prayers. I know some of you have calluses on your knees because you've been praying so hard for so very long. And I know some of you are desperate and maybe ready to give up. Some of you have already given up. Don't. You know, we celebrate Jesus here. We celebrate the one that God sent into the world to save us all. So I'm encouraging you to keep believing. Keep the faith and trust that God will shape you in the midst of your waiting because you are favored with grace and a miracle's coming. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your son Jesus. Thank you for the continuing story that we get to tell each year, each day, each time we meet. Lord, I pray even now more than ever, Lord, that we would take this to heart, that we walk out of here encouraged, our heads lifted high, knowing that you have heard us, knowing that we are the beloved of God. Since the beginning of the world, you have decided to show us favor for some reason. Help that embolden us to live as free and eternal people. And so when sin comes knocking at our door, Lord, help us to very proudly and boldly say, no, I don't need you because I've got God and I've got grace and I've got eternity. And for those in here in this room, Lord, I pray that for those who do not know you, that today would be that moment when they choose to follow. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for examples in Zechariah and Elizabeth and Mary and Joseph and these stories that, that mean so much. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, we have men and women around the room. If you want to give your life to Christ, today's the day. The water's warm. I'm ready. Are you? Let's stand together and let's sing.